All right. Welcome back to the Disrupt Education Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Uh, hit that subscribe button. What the heck? I never say that, so I might as well say it today, Allie. What do you think? Hit the subscribe I, button. I, I like it. Yeah. Subscribe. Watch us on YouTube. Listen to us on, you know, whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Most Spotify. of you are out there listening on Apple Podcasts, which is cool. Spotify, YouTube. Um, there's Stitcher. There's all different kinds of them now. So it's pretty solid. So. Yeah. Put your pencils down and listen. What? Did you see what I did there? <laughs> I did see what you did there. We we just got done with last week an amazing mm-hmm. interview with Mike and Nayeli on their book, Pencils Down, which yeah. if you're on the YouTube channel, you can see kind of. Um, and it it hits a bit close to home. Uh, for both myself and even for Peter, you know, so the, the, the title of the book, the little subtitle, it says career journeys of educators who left the profession and what we can learn from the crises in education. And it's interesting to talk to the authors of books. We, we don't actually promote a lot of books, despite the fact that we get lots of authors who want to be on the podcast because when you're talking about disrupting education you know like writing a book is is one way to do so the unique thing about this book and highly recommend that you get it if you're in education in any part of it is that it's capturing what a lot of people feel but will not speak to Mm-hmm. which I feel like is the heart of this podcast is that in to have those tough conversations around topics in education that people want to keep quiet or sweep under the rug and or highlight programs that just aren't getting enough um, kind of wherewithal or just, you know, focus, attention. That's the word I'm looking for. So as someone who has left the classroom, you know, reading these stories of people who have and their reasons and and all of this, I'm like reliving kind of vicariously, but also like some of their stories hit really close mm-hmm. to my own heart with hearing other educators make the transition out of the classroom. So what was your experience reading the book and listening to Mike and Nayeli and the book? Yeah. So um, I had a previous conversation before I got the book uh, with Mike, because we connected, like I said, through Oak Park Dads Group, through um, somebody else who I had, um, Eric Santos, uh, who's an amazing technology educator in uh, Illinois. Um, They both happened to be on the group. Um, And when I got the book, I I had no idea like it was going to be this deep. I just thought, okay, transitioning teachers, you see a lot of it. I mean, on LinkedIn, I mean, there's a lot of people who are you know, talking about transitioning and, you know, that's basically the basis of LinkedIn. It's business and how, you know, people moving around and such. Um, But when I started reading it, just like you, I had um, almost an emotional reaction to it. I was like, you know, I went through a roller coaster. It was like, come on. And then I was like, yeah, I saw that before and good for you for saying something or, you know, you know, a few expletives that jump in your mind, you know, because you do, you roll through those ultimate highs and those ultimate lows. You see great people in the classroom doing and trying great things and just being cut off at the knees over and over and over again. Um, And it's, 
yeah, it, it, it was it was an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, did it like trigger anything for you? I know I use the word trigger, but like, did, did it like, you know, is there one instance that, you know, um, that came to you? I'll, I'll share mine in a moment. But so one of the things that they do in the book is they have the name of the person. Then they have like a word um, mm -hmm. that kind of describes, I don't know if it's just like a reflection of who they are or their experience. And then it's kind of like, it's like the transition word. And then it talks about like what they're doing now. So for right. example, page 107, it reads Katie flourishing therapist and musician. And, you know, for me, as I'm reading these titles and I'm reading people's stories, I think, you know, I'm Allie. Uh, people probably, you know, like, I don't know what, I don't know what word I would put there. And then I don't know what word I would put. Free fall. As, <laughs> free fall. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it, this idea of identity mm -hmm. uh, has been something that I've had to really kind of work through and I continue to work through and it's very fresh and it's not something that I necessarily talk a lot about on the podcast. I definitely have some posts on social media, LinkedIn, that kind of go through um, my journey more and things that I've felt. But I, I kind of feel like I'm in this middle place where I've left the classroom and I'm starting a new life, a new a new chapter, a new book, so to speak, mm -hmm. but I don't really know where it's going. I have lots of things I'm doing and I love the life that I have right now um, outside of the classroom, And it, but it's so different. And one of the things that maybe the book doesn't highlight, but it really got me thinking about is the, the time it can take for an educator to kind of break down the... Uh, the kind of hats and identities and personas that they wear as an educator and they carry into almost every aspect of their lives. Like my, myself included, the last year and a half has been a lot of reevaluating and relearning like, who am I? And I've talked about like teacher alley versus summer alley, school, <laughs> school year alley versus, you know, non-school year alley. And, and uh, when I left the classroom, I thought, that the the school year alley that kind of person would come back out mm -hmm. after the, the my first summer and she never did and so it is trying to find a new rhythm in life it's very very difficult and i i i did, was thinking i i keep thinking about that with the book is that there's still more to share with these educators and they are trying to focus on the career transitions and how they made that move. But there's a, there's a lot of emotion. I think that's why myself and, and you feel that emotion because there is so much wrapped up into a profession. It's not just a job. I don't know why mm -hmm. <laughs> that is. I've, I've been trying to figure that out, but it's like a whole journey and I'm not through it. And so the book hits really, really close to home. So that's mm -hmm. kind of some of the, the initial like feelings and thoughts um, I am, am having while reading it, had while reading it. So what about you? Yeah. Um, I, I really think, I mean, it gives, really change agents who are 
you know, administrators, teachers, a voice. I, I that's, that's what I took from it. Um, um, you know, it, it really kind of, it does, you know, we talked about like some of the school board meetings and how they're all like, let's just say all the good things and, and all this, which is great, right? That's fine. I mean, we should celebrate those. But in order to improve, you really got to take a look at your deficiencies and really to take a look at the the harsh truths. And and then and then I think you can improve. I don't think you can just improve by, you know, just let's think of it as a child, right? Like a, a kid may be great at singing, but they are no good at then I wouldn't say they're no good. They they struggle at putting words down, like writing, right? Um I don't think you can just say, all I'm going to do is have you sing for the rest of your life. You're going to have to end up learning how to write lyrics and write. So you have to, we have to really take a look at this part and see how it fits into your dream. So I think with this book, what it does is really, you know, yeah, all these great things are happening. You know, you we all got like the the monthly newsletter or something and, and Allie's, you know, chemistry class, they did this awesome thing and da, 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 da. But also, Allie worked 50 hours last week outside of the classes and, and had to build these things up and is really having a little insomnia, right? Like you let we need to we need in order to keep these things like, you know, um, you know, to scale them, I think. Um, and I think the biggest thing is when I was reading Mike's story and I said it on the previous podcast is like literally he I could just empathize with him working for three years at the CPS school, 12 hours a day, um, you know, many weekends. Um, he said like he was an assistant interning when his first child was born. Um, and this is all in the book, but, um, and he was sporadic dad, but when his second child was born, he was like a missing dad. And, you know, you're thinking about this, but you're also thinking he's he moved the needle at a school like he he did some great things. But at what expense? So, yes, we can do this. But are we just going to tear through people to do it? And guess what? We're out of people. So, you know, so that I think those are the biggest things that that I took from this. It was heart wrenching. It was it was gut checking. The the lack of boundaries in the educational system is highlighted in this book mm -hmm. you can't deny story after story after story mm -hmm. of this kind of on mentality that those in education have that is unlike any other job and you know yes there are contract agreements and everything but there is no way to get done everything that educators are supposed to do mm -hmm. in a seven, eight hour workday. Right. It's just, and when Mike was talking about, even from the principal perspective, which is, it is an impossible job, right? <laughs> I would never want it. Oh my gosh. Like, no way. <laughs> you know, you are that, 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 that point literally where the whole community and all the students and staff have to go through Mm -hmm. And in a classroom, right, the teacher is that pinpoint between the students and the parents. And you have all like it's a smaller version of of a principal job. But 
all of those jobs are impossible in different ways to do them at a very high level. And when you say like you burn out people, it's real because educators are, they pour literally their lives, their, their souls, their hearts into the job Mm -hmm. that comes at a very high cost. I've talked about this before, right? And in order to be the type of educator that I, the kind of cadence of day that I wanted to have and the the level of like in order to get my students to where I wanted them and 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 kind of have that school day be really, really good, it required a 4.30 a.m. wake up, get to school by 6 a.m. to prep for an hour and a half before school to then be on the entire day. I mean, I was never on my phone. It was work, work, work. There was mm-hmm. nothing else that I was doing. School bell rang at 2.30. I would be lucky to leave before four. I would then go work out, reset my mind, eat dinner, and then work until I went to go to bed. That's not healthy. Right. Uh, when I loved it, and like, I mean, it was my, it was my world. And so I talk about this idea of school year alley versus summer alley, because summer alley would just be free and traveling and doing all this stuff. But there was like such a divide. And yes, jobs do have busy seasons, but like a busy 30 years. Right. Minus, minus the summers, Mm -hmm. which there were weeks of the summer. I mean, there's some summers I was taking grad class, you you know, all this, like, but this book really highlights that, that my my story, my reality is many educators' reality. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know I didn't know what to take off my plate, right? And I didn't know what skill sets I had. I mean, now I do mm-hmm. more so, but <laughs> this book really does a great job of showing like all of these amazing skill sets educators have. But I think why it will hit so close, to educators is because they're like you reading yourself in these stories yeah you know look as as high school educators like we have 150 clients every single day for 180 days that we have to present sales pitches to like that's the way i always looked at it right and when people ask me oh you know what do you do i'm like how many you know how many sales pitches do you give a year um you know i give 150 a day you know, like no one can match that. However, you know, what's interesting about this book is what I kind of like about it, um, it even though it's like it kind of gets you tense. And like I was I was telling Mike after the podcast, I, I couldn't read it at night. I do a lot of my reading at night and because I couldn't sleep because, I, you know, my mind was flying around and, you know, thinking about things. Um, but one of the things I, I really like uh, about it is that going back to. I think it was uh, a trip. It was a, there's, there's a famous, I don't even know if it's real or not, but they were, they were looking for um, people who wanted to go on this excursion up into, I think it's, you know, maybe the North Pole or Antarctica where they basically put, Hey, do you want to come on this trip with us? Uh, you might not make it back. You might die. Da, da, da. And they just basically flat out put this out there. And they had so many people sign up for this trip. And this is like back in the, you know, the 1800s or whatever. Um, and it was a newspaper article. But I think 
like to me, I think every college student who is in education needs to read this book. I think that this needs to be out there because a lot of people will say, and you know it and I know it, like, oh, well, you get summers off, right? Summers have been shrunk down to about eight weeks on average, maybe, maybe 10. Um, and, and, you know, there are transition periods in there. There is, you know, you have to, you, it's like, I don't want to say this because I know people are going to be pissed off, but I will. It's like going to war. Like you have got, you, you, you got to gear up. Like you said, you have to work out. I mean, you can't do this job without like, I don't know how people do it without working out, but I think like putting this out there saying, look, and maybe not 30 years, but if you want to take the next 10 years and, you know, this is what it's going to be like. Are you up for it? I think some people would actually see it differently. I think you might get some people who are ready for it, right? Um, because it's not to say like, even in a, a difficult situation, I mean, you look at the NFL, right? People are coming out of the NFL with all kinds of injuries and et cetera. And yes, there's a, a difference in money, but they know what they're signing up for. I think you might get kind of a different client if people are uh, signing up for what they know. I, I don't know. That's kind of like I'm trying to find a glimmer of light in this, um, but I really do think everybody should read this um, just to hear those those stories, um, you know, and uh, and also, you know, I know I know Mike and he didn't go that far into his own story. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of inequity and his story is all about inequity, like literally two different socioeconomic groups. One saying, nope, we do not want to open our schools up um, and I'm going to fight you to the death on it. And that happens. It happens all the time. So, um, yeah, I, I yeah, it, it was just so like into the moment. I mean, this is a disrupt education book. I mean, it's it's I love it. I, I love it. I hate that it had to be written, but I love it. <laughs> I agree with the fact that I love the book because it needs to be out there these conversations need to be had and it really does speak to a lot of the topics that we cover on the podcast in one kind of condensed version i love why they put it out because they felt like they needed a affordable resource for educators to kind of have some tools in their toolbox before they invest maybe in higher coaching or courses or programs, because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it is that resource. And so the heart of the book is even designed with the, with that in mind as, as well as to kind of document common questions that both of them have gotten over the years. You know, it's like, look, here's this book. I, I promise it has everything yeah. that I could go over. You know, the, the, the multiplicity of the book is, is so good. Um, for that for that reason that they took the time to document you know what what they were seeing in these questions as they they said you know they had gone through maybe like over 10 people at you know like how do you get out and rather than just like you know keep saying the same things over and over mm -hmm. again they they made this resource for those in education that I think it comes down to you know uh, Mike did make this comment in the podcast that we didn't get to necessarily like dive into, but he said, you know, at one point I, I naively thought I could fix the system mm -hmm. and you know, the, so many, I thought the same to. thing, Allie, I, I was like, uh, I'm going to be the person. <laughs> yeah. Like in it, 
when we're when we're doing these these episodes and and trying to disrupt education and and make it better, you know, we both understand there's no there's no silver bullet, but there are so many people and programs and 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 companies that are trying to sell that silver bullet. Yeah. And I think, you know, this book and and other books really can kind of lean back into something we talk about often about the power of local communities, micro schools, like a a group of people deciding that this is what we're going to do to move forward and stick sticking with it. I love that they talked about that one of the ideas for solutions is to stick with something for longer than a year or two. (laughs) Oh, you had that problem too. (laughs) So it's just this, you know, it's sad that the top skills uh, that they kind of mention from the book are literally based on like what you need to survive Mm -hmm. in a school system. And it's not from a necessarily like a place of that you got into that job to be super uh, organized or empathetic or have this like executive presence. I mean, you got in it to help people learn and develop Mm -hmm. some of this other stuff is like it was like you have to do these things in order to move the needle Mm -hmm. and so it's just it's it's interesting that as educators that we don't necessarily i mean i I struggled when i left with like what are my other skills what else could i do i mean it's just like baffling to think that educators don't have this but when we say it's so insular if you're not in the field, it's hard to understand. Mm-hmm. I have friends who have never been in education. They're like, well, it's so easy to get another job. And I'm I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I, I've had lots of conversations with people. So thank goodness there's people like Nayeli out there who are career coaches that they they can help see, you know, and match you with uh, a, a different path so needed so that's like this book is just it really is highlighting a lot of a lot of things that the system while you can't necessarily fix the system you can just you have to pare it down right and this book starts to pare down things that we can do skill sets teachers do have and possibilities to move the needle forward and starting small and growing all of that is kind of woven in the book even if it's not explicitly said but those are just more things that i got out from this Mm -hmm. this great text i think um you know as far as nayeli goes um you know it's interesting um you know she's around my area here in in chicago um, but um i think what's what's interesting about a coach like that is she's and mike and her have a a great relationship because they kind of just basically did what we started doing here is it's like logging people's conversations and different things like that right um one of the things that is difficult for educators to do is to ask for help it really is because we are so siloed and are in such small groups we do not get the opportunity or the time to ask outside of our local, like small, sometimes even like classrooms. Um, And 
that is a hump that I learned here through Niali. Like if, if you want this, ask, you know, um, get out there and ask a coach. Um, because I think a lot of the terms that we use in education, they are different terms, yet they're the same skill sets that are in business. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I took from Niali as she's talking about this. Um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not, I'm not going to ask an administrator for help because usually you don't want to show weakness in front of an administrator, you know, not always, but like in, in the system, it's like, take care of it. You know, that's why we hired you. Um, and we, we personalize um, what we do so much. Um, it's hard for us to ask coaches or anybody else. I mean, how many times have you gone to, you know, there's only a select amount of people who will go to their curriculum coaches if you have them, if you're lucky enough to have them in your schools. I, I'm not that type of person. But now I'm realizing, like, if I wanted to make a move or to do that, you, you have to ask. It's funny, we ask our students, like, ask for help. But yet we, it's it's kind of the system, isn't it? Like, you don't really have an opportunity Hi. or time to ask for help. I don't know. What are your thoughts there? I mean, I am, I am somebody who says like, you know, it, when people say they don't have time, it's just an excuse. Yeah. And I would, <laughs> I would asterisk that with, unless you're teaching, mm -hmm. because the school day is this warp speed blur yeah. of yeah. there's always like a building list. You're never like, it's like you cross one thing off and three more things pop up. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Like the work, huh, I just remember friends as I like teaching friends as, as years would go by, like, you know, just go home. There will always be more work to do. Mm -hmm. It's never mm -hmm. ending. And so you do need help as an educator. And so when, when Mike was talking about, you know, the solutions that will never happen, you know, it's like funding schools, having proper funding for the amount of work that is required would require right like teachers being responsible for less well how do you do that you have more teachers you have more adults in the building with more roles well if there's a teacher shortage how do you even do that like how do you entice people it's going to require money right mm -hmm. it does come down to that ultimately uh, but as the job gets bigger you're going to have fewer and fewer people who want even to take it, the job. It's not an entry level job. Like no. it's a full on like go mm -hmm. fast mode. But because of that and because of the isolation that your, your day literally is around children, there isn't time for adults. There's just, there's very few other jobs where you can even like, it's so abnormal to think yeah. that like you're not around adults like you're surrounded by them but there are walls and there's not time to have a conversation let alone use the bathroom which i think mm -hmm. is hilarious that that was like a common theme <laughs> it's so true i was thinking about that i literally was thinking about that this week or, or the last week at school um as i'm reading the book i'm like Man, i really don't have time you know i'm i'm eating a a bag of nuts like for lunch during like an intervention class, you know, it's like, is this normal? I mean, you know, and, and I guess there are, there are some, you know, professions that do that. I mean, you got to think of like, maybe like an ER nurse or, or something like that, you know, or a doctor or whatever. Um, 
but we're, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, the things that, that happen in, in education that people don't understand. I will put the one, the bright light on, you know, Mike brought it up is, is AI, right? Like, is there a way where now, you know, we have to become more of the human centered person. Um, and I think that's one thing that I'm shifting in education is teaching students how to use their personal assistant and actually use AI to give them the knowledge because I'm a believer in what Jack Ma said is knowledge is dead. I mean, you, you can find it out anywhere, especially as it, it's, it relates to educational systems. Now, how do I help people find their dreams and, and aspirations by using the, the knowledge that they can get, not me? And I still think there's a huge turnaround for students to understand not to just ask the teacher, right? Can you help me with this? Um, I try not to be a jerk about it, but I think the hardest part is like, I'm trying to get you to seek the answer. So if, if I'm not around and, and you're in a company where you have to do like this one or two things, you, you have the tools to find that answer and, and to reach out, not just cheat, but I mean, like, you know, how, like Mike was saying, how do I get AI to teach me something and then, you know, find videos and do all this stuff. I think that's 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 a bright light, especially for secondary education. I'm not going to touch primary with that. But um, but I think it's it's an interesting, interesting thing. Um, and we're obviously going to have like other professionals who are doing some different things when it comes to virtual classrooms and things like that um, up on the podcast. But um yeah, just there's a lot of emotion in in this conversation and, and in reading the book. So, um, yeah, what what do you think are your your final thoughts on pencils down? Like mm. on the recap here, and and you know what you know what we do. Well, one, it I do I do like you know this idea of focusing on well being of your staff and educators and. Uh, firmer boundaries, you know, there should be, there should be times where teachers and administrators have like closed hours that parents yeah. and students don't have access to them. That has been the biggest thing to let go of is that my work doesn't need to be all day, every day, mm -hmm. but there was never a boundary. And it, it, the, it was there from the very beginning. I didn't know another lifestyle than just being on all the time or having emails that I felt like I needed to answer. And for those in education, those are things that can be implemented. Those are mm -hmm. changes that can be made. And when you read a whole book and you realize that that is commonplace across the board and it's an issue and it's fixable, I think there's there's just so many opportunities. You can read this book and think if you're in leadership or you're a stakeholder, or you're a company, like read this book and think what are the potential solutions for the system that would have direct benefits on your your frontliners, your teachers, that ultimately benefits the whole entire system. And so there's so much opportunity in this book for for a deeper dive. And to see it from a, how can we fix this 
So when it's interesting, when Mike says, you know, like I was naive to think I could fix the system and it's like, it starts small Mm -hmm. and these things can help the system. And ultimately it, it, it doesn't have to be like, you know, there's no perfect system. There's no perfect school. There's no perfect business. There's no perfect anything, but you can improve it. And you can put like stitches instead of band-aids. You don't have to think that there there aren't solutions and that everyone wants to get out because there are plenty of happy teachers and there are districts doing amazing things to create better balances. It's just not streamlined. It's not across the board. And this book highlights that there is a crisis. It will have more consequences, but That also means there's tons of opportunities to address it at different levels. You know, Mm -hmm. like how big do you want to swing and how big do you want to approach and reform education? There's opportunities at every level. So if you're, you know, someone listening to this who is at the legislative level or at the federal level, by all means, there are ways that those policies could greatly impact from the top down. But realistically, most of these changes can happen from the bottom up. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I made it this far somehow. I don't know, <laughs> but I think like no one should feel like bad. You know, as I was going into this, I'll, I'll kind of throw my final thought in here too. I was wondering like, how are you going to feel? Right? Like we're talking about like I'm still in the system. You're not in the system. Um, are we are we right and wrong? I don't think so. I think we're both in our own path. And I think that this book, the my final thought is it's okay. Like if you do a couple of years in education and in, in or 10 years like yourself, great. You know, you did you did you did a great duty, you know. You, we've talked to previous students, you know, um that that have said, you know, uh this privet, man, I remember this and this, you know, you've changed lives and it doesn't matter like you know, how long you've been in or if you're still in or not, um, that it's, and I like the way that you put it as an opportunity, right? Um, The opportunity to self-reflect. Your reaction was a little bit different than mine and that's cool, right? And and I think, um, you know, having these conversations is really what real learning is about. And can we bring more of this into the education system where we have more time for well, I think we've always said it, the humanistic approach or human-centered learning moments within a system to make those small things happen. So love it. Pencils Down is the book. Um, go back uh, if you didn't listen uh, to the uh, last podcast, uh, Mike and Niali, uh, the authors. It was great. Um, I We are not paid to to say anything like to to promote this book but i i am hands down saying i think anybody around education should read it um so yeah gift it to a gift it to a teacher who you've heard talking about potentially switching right that was one of the things in the book they said like everybody knows a teacher and they've had conversations with teachers who are like should i get out or if they're out and I, I mean, I'm going to be re-gifting this to yeah. one of my friends and have them pass it along because I just think that it's uh, it's timely, it's relevant, and mm-hmm. it, it, it can open minds in a very honest um, and direct way. But it's, it's not like in your face, but it's it just the right amount, maybe. 
yeah, I think so. Sharing the stories and yeah. being like, look, this is the reality. The end. Also, you know, if you are a teacher and you are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know how I could ever leave, but I really feel like I need to leave. There are all these stories can, are, are going to give you hope that it's possible. Mm-hmm. There is so much hope in this book that your world does not need to be education the whole time which is which is possibly disruptive for educators to hear because you know you get kind of get in this space where you think I have to teach my whole career and it's like if you're feeling that that nudge that maybe you want to leave it's okay and Mm -hmm. you there if you are like I have no idea what I would do then definitely (laughs) because you're going to be like oh wow I didn't think about this or this or that and so they do a really good job of pulling a variety um so you can really see just how many opportunities there are and for me that was really eye-opening because there's even some I constantly think like what what do I want to do where's my next step and Mm -hmm. so it's it's very encouraging and in that regard too so I love that about the book great well again we'll put the link down uh thank you all for hanging out with us today uh Allie, thank you for, you know, you were in different levels of education. And I think this kind of like brought it to the forefront and in, in, in conversating and just being open about how you're uh, reflecting with the book and reacting to the book and how I am. So, uh, but if you guys have any comments, you know, on these platforms, you're listening to this or watching it, we're here and available uh, for Allie Privet. I'm Peter Hostrosser. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Disrupt Education Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Disrupt Education Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you ready to disrupt the educational arena you're a part of? For more ways to get involved in the work we do here at Disrupt Education, check us out at disrupteducation.co or find us on LinkedIn at Peter Hostrosser or Ali Privet. Our mission here is to help facilitate and amplify changes in the educational system through local initiatives and help you scale them into community movements. Our building network of disruptors in education are working to move beyond scores and grades as the only measure for student learning. If your school district, college, campus, or organization is looking for facilitators of this work, reach out on our website or social media. And if you have any thoughts or feedback on this week's episode or any episode, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries, taking risks, and most importantly, disrupting education.